right, welcome back into another outstanding edition of the official 615 podcast brought to you by our good friends over at Wilson County Hyundai. Check them out online at wilsoncountyhyundai.com. We appreciate the journey they're on with us and being a part of this team. And uh, Greg Pogue, again, they invited us back. Another wonderful show on tap. Yeah, I want to thank Kitchen Notes, obviously, uh, Music City, Todd Rotermel, all the folks here at Omni Nashville Hotel for having us back once again. Show number 21, and uh, we're all over the place, including Apple now. So yeah, I didn't want to pull a muscle, <laughs> patting ourselves on the back there. But uh, 21, yes. Yep. Well, this is, you know, when you said Greg Ruff, I said, who? Yeah, uh, but guy? he's one of my best friends. He he really is. Long time, one of the first people when I came to this marketplace. He was getting started as well. He's um, the assistant athletic director for external communications Ooh, and sports yeah. media and broadcasting at Trevecca Nazarene University, uh, and he's uh, done a lot of different things. Belmont, uh, you know, basketball, men's basketball, play by play. Vandy women play by play. Vandy baseball play by play. The Nashville Stars. At one time, we had a <laughs> what was that? The W Basketball w World Basketball League. Yeah, I think you had to be what four foot eight or shorter or to six, play six and under. Oh, okay. Six, six and under. Uh, he's done so many different things. And again, one of my best friends, Greg Ruff. What's up, Gregor? That's, that's where we met, wasn't it? The Nashville stars. Or, or that's where we got to know each yeah, other. That's yeah. We were Rudy the, Schiffer had a open bar at the games. And so Pogue was there every time. I, I don't blame him. Can, we, him can we start the show over again? You know, I, I mean, don't fault him for doing all that, man. How are, how are things? Well, I got, I got, I got his and mine because he doesn't drink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great. It's, it's a, uh, it's a good year to be, uh, you know, we're not post COVID, but we're back to being closer to post COVID with our fans at Trevecca and our games and stuff like that. It's just a lot of fun. Uh, all right. So we got you here because we were discussing the sports talk radio in Nashville. You look at it now. It's like, wow, man, it's, it's crazy. Two stations dedicated all the time. Actually, three stations dedicated to mm -hmm. it all the time. But back in the day, Greg, that wasn't the case, was it? No, it, it really wasn't. Uh, and, it, and it really started bef before I got to the to the market. But how it was before I got to the market was it was usually somebody as a part of a morning team or afternoon team that talked sports. And uh, the Waking Crew was was one of those that that had him, and Plaster was the sports guy on there sometimes. And just uh, Larry Munson was the sports guy very early on, and that's kind of how it started uh, before they let sports guys take over or sports girls take over. Now, well, was and it, it wasn't sports correct. station, right? The, no, really, the, no. the first true twenty four hour sports station was the one I'm on, uh, WNSR, and mm -hmm. and the first morning show, but. It was a WLAC, uh, had Les Jameson in the afternoon news. It was a news station, but then it would format to sports mm -hmm. with Charlie Mack and Bob Bell and, and Bill King, who's on our station Bill now. Bill Stewart, June Stewart's right. uh, husband. But was prior uh, to that, though, Dr. K, and there was another show, and Duncan Stewart. Mm -hmm. Take us back to the very, very start. Well, that was Bill Stewart as I understand it, was a part of the very first one. I think Charlie Mack was a part of that, and maybe – uh, Bob Bell was a part of that one. And it was, that was really where it started was back then. And, and it was, it was forced in there and they didn't, they had to fight to even stay on the air a lot of times to keep the show on the air. They had to sell immediately and, and prove they were profitable and get, cause there was like this big thing is like a lot of the talk stuff and especially sports talk sometimes was on a music uh, station. And so when you start doing the sports talk in the middle of the afternoon or even the evening, there'd be a lot of complaints about it. But where it kind of got its first start was 
stations doing the Vol Network or Vanderbilt or whatever pro sports, they would have those games in the evening. So they started doing sports talk uh, on the nights that they didn't have ball games. And so that's how it really started at that at that point. And the people who did it, a lot of times were play-by-play people that didn't have another job. And so they, that's how they filled in the gap financially was doing that. I remember 980 AM. Mm-hmm. WSIX. I was there uh, when they when they started that. Duncan Stewart started that. They were the Vols station at that time. And uh, that's where I got my first night doing sports talk. And Duncan Stewart said, I can't come in tonight. I want you to do the post game. And what I didn't realize that I had to answer the phone calls, <laughs> run the spots, take the phone calls. And so I had, the only way I could do it was to take the calls blindly. I would just, people would call in, uh, I'd put them on hold and then I had to go and deal with it. It was a train wreck. No internet. So there's no, no way you could, you know, well, no. catch there, up on a game across the country. You had no idea. No, the way, the way we did show prep back then was we'd go to the Moscovitz uh, down on Elston Place and they got newspapers in from all over the country, all over the world, really, and of course uh, around the state. And so we'd go down there, and we—I would spend ten bucks buying newspapers, <laughs> and then you would go through them and read. And that's how I did a high school football show, and that's how I got all the information. I'd buy Chattanooga, Knoxville, Memphis, and every little town that I could find, and that's how I found out about high school football back then. Was doing that, and you'd go to the airport sometimes. You could get them there, and then the Tennessean and the Banner would print their newspaper, and you could get it at midnight. And so I'd be coming yeah, back to the Tennessee and you could get it. Yeah, ten, not yeah. the banner. Yeah, you're right. And so let's differentiate there. Yeah, sorry the about that. Mr. Banner over here. <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I'm going to stand you're correct. for the banner. I, he's, he mutes me, as you can see. <laughs> yeah. But I would be coming back from ball games, and we would run by the, the newspaper down there and we'd get it fresh, fresh off. If it was after midnight, you could go down and get it right there. And so we would find out we'd be, if you had a big win or something like that, you'd want to see how, how they covered it. So it was neat. I did it when I was working at the banner. Right. I was there at midnight. Because I didn't want a four o'clock call saying, hey, you got beat on a story. Wake up and, and write the story. So I was there at midnight every night. And it was uh, the city yeah. edition, wasn't it? Because mm-hmm. the, there was different editions. Right. Of, yeah. Yeah. And then look at you now. So, all right. So those yeah, only, look, at look at me now. Those this show of yeah. the AM. Uh, was it something you want to do long term? Were you thinking this is going to make it or not make it? Because at that time, there was no template in Nashville for this. Yeah. Zero. Well, I was hired by Eric Marshall. WSIX was in the Channel 2 building. And there was one window in the entire building. And that was, that was where the studio was. Right. And, and, that, and I walked in there. And Eric Marshall, uh, I was interviewing to work on the FM, WSIX FM, which was they had just brought Jerry House back to town. And so, or maybe that was the first time that he came into town. But I had no, I had no idea about anything about the AM station. And so I, but they knew I broadcast sports at Trevecca as a student. And so... Eric Marshall, I walked in and and it was the second interview and uh, he started telling me about how, what I needed to do and all that kind of stuff. I said, hold on a second, do I have a job? And I couldn't believe it, it was my first job in radio, it yeah. paid because I worked at Trevecca for free. And uh, and so it was great. That was my first job. And, and I worked overnights on the weekend. So on Sunday night, my job was to get Jerry House's show ready. So I had to pull all the music and the spots and all that kind of stuff. And I'd watch Jerry House. So I had a great work ethic in front of me. I mean, this is the guy most popular guy in town, won yeah. all kinds of awards, and he worked his butt off. And I was like, if he works his butt off, then I better work mine off twice. And I've done that a couple of times. <laughs> you have. You have done quite well And it came back. <laughs> it came back, yes. That's the problem. It always comes back. But that, but that was what, that's how I got in. And then one day they just said, hey, you, you did sports. Can you run the ball game over? And I was wanting to make money any way I could. So sure. I started producing games and stuff like that. And then I started producing talk shows and 
that's how I got into it. And and once I started doing talk, I just fell in love with it. I mean, it was great. To, I loved. I knew I loved doing broadcasting play by play. I loved doing music, but I had no idea about talk, and I just got thrown into it. And that one night, that was that was the night. It was awful. It was a nightmare, but I knew that I could do it then, and I knew. That's what I wanted to do. WSIX eventually became WTN, mm-hmm. yep. which uh, started sport. Duncan Stewart, very yep. much a part of it. In the mornings, mm-hmm. was doing the House Foundation yep. with Jerry House. And then his afternoon sports talk show, he was pulling that daily yep. double. And then he brings in Plaster. Yep. Uh, and the only thing George was doing, George Plaster, was uh, you know, obviously our sports talk icon in the city. Uh, was a five o'clock hit the wide world of sports yep. according to Plaster? That was it. That's it. That's yeah, it. That was he, it. He, that's how he started at <laughs> he five had 15 o'clock. Fifteen sponsors. Yeah, or yeah. like a minute segment. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. And it was great, but he put everything into it. And you saw early on. I want to go back. You said WX WSIX became WWTN. Well, WSIX AM sold and it became a religious station. And literally everybody that was on staff was gone. We were done. And about a week later, they they bought WWTN and brought all of us back. <laughs> At ninety nine point seven, ninety nine point seven FM, right. and then and then it went into bankruptcy after mm-hmm. that. And so it and was, George Plaster saved it from according to him. <laughs> yes, he, according he saved, to George, he saved the predators. He yes. saved yeah, you know, he saved yeah. everybody. I had no idea what that. All right, so my early recollection sports talk was in nineteen ninety ninety one was Plaster and Greg Gaines, and it was not. It was uh, it was awful to put it that way, <laughs> and, and I think George yeah. probably admitted. So with Greg Gaines, it was mm-hmm. just bad. It was an ex NFL ex NFL player on here. They didn't know anything. They just threw stuff out there. But you got to start somewhere. Yeah, and it was just really bad. Well, it started off talk radio on the in sports talk radio. A lot of it was guests. Either either you did a lot of guests or you did a lot of phone calls, and and you would take guests and you would take phone calls with that. And it took a it takes a skill set to take phone calls to take blind phone calls yeah. is is a skill set. It also takes a skill set to do interviews because you got to be able to talk and 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 get somebody to talk. And sometimes they don't talk. You ask a question and they give you a two word answer, and so you got to be able to have that. So there was two. Well, there's an art to asking yeah. the question. Plaster know? early on was really good at asking questions. He's he's always been good at asking questions. He he had to learn like a lot of people how to take the phone calls, and he ended up being very very good at that uh, with with time. But you look back then, and of course, Greg can attest to this, uh, the biggest game in town was Vanderbilt. Oh, yeah. And so people who've been here in the last 25 years find that hard to believe. But Vanderbilt, and I'll tell you, and and even Greg, he was a beat writer for the banner covering Vanderbilt, uh, Memorial Gym at Vanderbilt was the place to be. And then so sports talk evolved around Tennessee was a little bit in there, but a lot of Vanderbilt and people find that hard to believe. Yeah. Well, you could, back in the day when, when it was starting, Nashville was a sports town. People used to always, the biggest question, what a great talk show question was, is Nashville a sports city? And absolutely, it always has been. Back then, you could go to Lipscomb or Belmont or Trevecca, and the gyms were packed, overflowing with the city college basketball in particular. But even our baseball games would would have big crowds and things like that. People love sports. They just didn't have any hometown team. But you had the sounds. Sounds. sounds I'm sorry. Yes, Correct. Nashville sounds were huge. And they were, you know, I mentioned earlier that stations wanted to get UT or Vandy. They also wanted to get um, the Nashville Sounds. WWTN, during its bankruptcy era, survived because of the Nashville Sounds. Nashville Sounds was a significant portion of their payroll 
every year during that during that time. That's how wow. we that's how we made bank was we had the Nashville sounds and Larry Schmidt did a great job of selling those broadcasts and then he would pay the station to do it. And it was it was a big part of it. So so yeah, the sound, you'd go to the sounds. When I was in college at Treveca, uh sounds were right up the street. I would go up there and I would work those games and that's how I ate too, because I'd get you got a free meal <laughs> and I would stay to the seventh inning stretch when he gave us those little helmets with ice cream. Yeah. And after that I might go home. But yeah, I mean people literally I was at WNAZ, Trevecca Station. I was a sports guy, and I would go cover the games. And then every morning during the sports, I would it would be a big segment on the Nashville Sounds and how they did. Why didn't you go full time? You've been a you're you're they call it Greg's America's guest, but you've been on every sports talk station filling in. Oh, why didn't you go? Well, full? even he'll even be on them when not invited. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> like today, yes. he calls my show <laughs> did you? to give me grief. I don't know that I've ever said this publicly, but. I made a decision. I, I had uh, I had gotten uh, one of the greatest days of my life was when I got the uh, World Basketball League Nashville Stars game uh, broadcast. What uh, year are we looking at here? Um, 90, 90, 91, something like that. I yeah, think. Um, it's on my bio. Ninety two, in the ninety two, ninety three, right? In yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere yep. in there. At that time, I was doing the World Basketball League games, which was a summer. It was like fifty two games, I think, scheduled. I traveled yep. all over. North America. They had teams in Canada and down in Florida. Wow. And it was a Nova great deal. Scotia, right? Nova Scotia. Halifax. Halifax, yeah. Nova Scotia. I actually played two games there. We got to stay there a week. Think about that. Got put up for free in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Went on a sailing trip and all that kind of stuff. It was great. Went to British Columbia, uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, played a game there. And uh, so it was it was it was one of the best summers of my life. But I was doing Belmont at the time. I was doing men and women. And I was also doing Vanderbilt women. So I, I had a lot of play-by-play. -play, so I filled in doing sports talk on different different places like that. And I was actually still working at WTN, uh, but I was not full-time at that time. So I just made a decision. I, I, I literally looked around. I looked at people who had done it and people that I admired. And very few of them had a family life. And I decided I wanted a family life. And so I started going down a different path. Well, that's strong right there. Yep. And look oh, yeah. at me now. Yeah, I, I know it, it will take you know, with beat writer and everything. But then again, I've been married for 32 years because I never see my wife. And then there's that side of it that I didn't see. You know, we, we, you know, All right, we, so a question for both of you guys. What took Sports Talk Radio in Nashville to the next step? Was it getting on FM? I think getting on FM. WTN was one of the first, if not the first stations, to go primarily sports on FM in the country. It was in Talkers Magazine. It was, it's a, it was an aberration, yes, really, because yeah. the people didn't want, how can you use that stereo quality mm -hmm. for talk yep. and not music, yep. right? Yep, absolutely. And, and that was, that's why you, you look at all of the big sports talk stations in New York, the fan, yep. Atlanta, St. Louis, yep. they're all AM. Yeah, and now they've grown to FM, but this city built its sports foundation on the FM side of it, which is totally an aberration. Well, WLAC was dominant. They were number one. They were killing everybody. And here we were at WTN in bankruptcy. Didn't know, if, I mean, literally people would race downtown to get their check cashed because 
at some fight point. each other. To yes, get in they line. would. Yeah, and but, Plaster was always the first one. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, actually, in, in all truthfulness, yeah. Plaster most of the time was the last one to cash a check. The but back to WLAC, the Clear Channel component of yes. it, fifty thousand watt Clear Channel. Of course, people the AM the Clear Channels came through wartime. Mm-hmm. That way, if there's emergency, national emergency, they be Clear Channels. All right, and six fifty AM WSM is WLAC was. And it could reach 28 states yep. with uh, Charlie Mack, Bob Bell, and then Bill King. That's how Bill King made a killing on recruiting that 900 number that would be advertised all over the this half of the country. Yep. And, and and but the, the the FM part of it was the first step. And I know you're. I guess I'm the one being interviewed now. But uh, the next step, though was 24 hours. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it took a while for WTN because it had the sports maybe afternoons, but that was about it. George will be happy with me saying some of the things that I say. He was responsible for a lot of it, and his creativity was was there. And a lot of people have knocked George over the years for different things, but the guy made it work, and, and he was a key part of that. One of the things that happened at WTN when we were bankruptcy and fighting for ratings and stuff like that, but we actually built up to where the fact that Gaylord actually bought the station and paid significantly more than what we were not able to get in sales about a, about a two or three years before. One of the key things, to, in my belief, that made WTN work and made FM talk work is we intentionally went out after the female audience. Everybody else ignored them and just wanted to talk to guys and thought it was only guy sports. And we started intentionally trying to market ourselves and talk about things that would attract women to the audience. And that audience grew. And part of that helped with Dave Ramsey being a lead-in uh, to the sports talk show and not ignoring that that audience. And I think that really helped us start building momentum and started getting numbers that allowed us to go out and sell. And we were willing to go out and broadcast live, kind of like this, anywhere. It didn't matter. We, if someone would give us something, a lot of times we went out there just uh, for free, just to, and we paid for the person that was producing the show. And so we were willing to go out there and get among the people and stuff like that. Uh, I'm going to piggyback off that in just a moment. Again, the official 615 podcast brought to you by good friends at Wilson County Hyundai. Check them out online at wilsoncountyhyundai.com. Payne Boner and his staff have one job. That's to get you in the perfect car at the perfect price. And they do a great job of doing that. Again, Wilson County Hyundai, wilsoncountyhyundai.com. Uh, one of the biggest misnomers is the ignorance of consultants and bosses to think that women do not care about sports. That's exactly right. A- absolutely. And I think that's in uh, in your world mm-hmm. of television primarily. That's, that's very true. And that was something that we figured out. I don't know that we, I don't know who it was that was responsible for that, but we literally sat around and talked about that. And that was something that we could do. How, how could we beat WLAC? And that was, that was one of the key things that we did. Being willing to go out and broadcast anywhere. We, uh, and part of that, was intentionally getting behind the Sara Lee Classic, which, which was the LPGA event that yeah. was very popular here. We got the booth right on the 18th green, and we had all the golfers come and got, put them wow. on there. And WLAC was not willing to go do that. They didn't want to go. They wouldn't bring their talent out there and broadcast live. We broadcast live. We started with. Uh, I don't. I don't know that we ever did the morning show over the maybe once or twice. And Teddy Barton, Carlin were doing it at that time. Uh, but Dave Ramsey came out and did his show live out there mingled with the people. And then uh, George did it out there and, and it, it was huge. It was a huge success. And it got us sponsorships. It got us the Jim Dandy rescue ride, which was, was with WLAC. Uh, I was in with Jim Craig in, riding around doing traffic reports with Jim Craig one day. And I said, what if we broadcast live from the Sara Lee Classic? What if you sponsored our booth there? And within about six months, 
Jim Danny Rescue Dive was on WTN, and we got all their sponsorship. <laughs> is that and, and how a lot it of happened? It, that is. That's exactly how it happened. Jim Knott was the regular guy. He was sick. I filled in, and so I was talking with Jim. Jim Craig was the owner of it. Right. And so I had an audience with him every morning that I had wanted that I did it. And so, yeah, that's how it happened. The Sarah Lee Classic was the first pro sporting event yep. outside of the sounds. Mm -hmm. Don't use the sounds because yep. it had its own formula, yeah. hometown formula to show how a city corporately yep. would support a, an event. And it was sort of the, the gateway to the Nashville Cats. Yep. And yep. then and the Bell South. Well, and the Bell South, certainly the senior tour out at mm -hmm. Opryland. But that showed that this city corporate wise had the ability to support a new arena and a tenant, yep. which happened to become the Predators. And then certainly the NFL, when it moved here, well, 97 was Memphis, 98, Vanderbilt, 99 on the yep. river. Yep. But that's another thing that exploded it. 24 hour sports then became a necessity when yep. you had pro sports. Yep, it did. It, it really changed. It, it, it sponsored the TV show that we worked on uh, together as well, and which led to uh, Sports Plus on uh, or uh, News Channel 5 doing their doing their nightly show and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that it fueled all that thing. And, and, provide, and again, the Sara Lee Classic, you cannot downplay how important it was and the success of it. I mean, they had 30,000 people out there for an LPGA event. There were people everywhere, and, and everybody in town was talking about it. It was in the newspapers constantly on the local TV. You could you couldn't you couldn't miss it. Well, go back to sports talk. Why was it? What was the the importance of getting uh, an LPGA event on the sports talk? And you're trying to fight uh, this monster WLAC. What appealed to you guys then? The 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 LPGA golfers were so personable. Nancy Lopez, every and Greg knows this. I mean, they would talk to you. They would come to town. They would they would go out to Opry Mills and they would go. They would be all around town. And they just engaged with people, and they and they drew people to them because they were so personable. Well, and it was a local event yes. too, yep. and, and WLAC its target was its oh, twenty eight yeah, yeah. recruiting and, and all that kind SEC of stuff. SEC football, a larger, didn't pay a lot of attention to the local. So you found the niche of where yep. Joe, you and I are in our philosophy, Greg, as well. The local, local component, yep. absolutely uh, names, faces. Local, local. And we had high school coaches on, all that kind of stuff. And really, we had, you know, Rick Bird on. We had whoever would was was a sports personality. We would have them on. And WLAC went down the path of recruiting. And they made a lot of money doing that. And a lot of people listened. So don't, don't mistake me for saying they failed. They were successful. We just found a way to beat them over a long period of time doing well, doing it differently. Well, and another component of it was the personalities that George mm -hmm. involved. Yeah. Dr. K. Oh, somebody that yep. you can in is somebody that you love to yep. hate. Nick the Stick Hunter. Nick the Stick Hunter. I got all these it, written down. That's, it, it, go, you wonder what my yeah, notes were. That go my ahead. Note, Ron Bargancy, uh, <laughs> Joe Biddle. Joe Biddle was a big part of that, too. Joe mm -hmm. Biddle could talk about anything. He had great stories. If you wanted to go out to eat somewhere in any city, pretty much in the country, you could talk. You, you, you would talk to Joe Biddle about that. So it was, it was you know, and, and George did the insiders, you know, he, and, and he brought different people in. And he just he made them characters that people wanted to listen to. I can, I can remember I was mountain biking one time and was out in the middle of the woods and someone, uh, I was fixing a flat tire and someone drove by and asked a road by and said, can I help you? And I said, I said, no, I think we got it. And they said, they said you're Greg Ruff. You're on with George Plaster. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'm sweating like crazy and all that kind of stuff. But he made people like people and he under, and he, he wasn't afraid, isn't afraid to talk about his personal life. 
And I think people people connect with that. And I think that's what made it real. That's what made sports talk real is people did do that. A lot of people today, they won't do that. They won't talk about their wife and their kids right. and, and stuff like that. And so people don't know them. They only know about talking about the NFL. And I think that's a mistake. You know, I, I, they're successful. Don't get me wrong. They're making money. Yeah. But I think, I mean, we're still talking about George Plaster. And it's what, 40 years now? Well, and, and the thing <laughs> yeah. too is that several things. One, uh, the necessity of the 24 hour. I remember George and I talking, he didn't say, well, morning won't work. Morning yeah. won't work. And I but then I, I did the yep. first morning yep. show in Nashville sports and the one that caused one Oh four five then yep. Yep. To, to get busy. Think and, about who was on with you though. Yeah. Who, who you, who you brought in with you to well, be on the just, shows and stuff like it, that. It was all the personalities again yep. and just, yep. but it was the local, local thing of it. But to think that people wouldn't get up in morning drive and not turn to sports. Well, now we have three 24 hour sports stations, yep. uh, you know, so. Well, it's also, people got to realize this is so pre-COVID. I mean, not pre-COVID, pre-internet. Pre-COVID. Yes, pre-COVID. Too. It was pre-COVID. Yeah. <laughs> it was pre-COVID but, too. But, but you Actually, talked about COVID's it. been around for a hundred years. Pro- so, yeah, you're yeah. right. Uh, like the insiders. I remember listening like, I had the, I mean, what do these yeah. guys know that I don't know? And, you know, Biddle with the I Beat Biddle stickers. Yes. I mean, you got these personalities who are larger than life in our area. And you're thinking, man, I want to get these guys on. And you're listening. You're part of the show, even though they don't know who I am. But again, this is mid-90s that's happened that's going on right there and so it's the evolution of all that now you look at it now it's like you're right i don't know these and now they're all to be outlandish they're being Mm -hmm. loud and it's such a turnoff well that was one of the things that i think made nashville sports talk work long faster than maybe other places because we didn't go that way and that that would be bob and bill that would be anybody who did it. it it was they weren't doing the uh, shock jock stuff or in your face or radio. in your face. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was, you were their friends. You were sitting on the front porch. I remember Bob and Bill talking about, we're just sitting on the back porch with you, you know, that type of, and, they, and that's the way they approached it. And that's why they were successful too. And so, I mean, Bill King, I mean, Bill King's still doing talk. He's been on satellite. He's, he's made it, he's made well. a whole lot of money. He's made a, he's made a good living with it for years. But there has been some, and I'm not going to name name that wanted to turn this is 20 years ago. Wanted to turn Nashville into Philadelphia. Yeah. And thought that ignorant Nashville sports fans need to be slapped in the face on yeah. the radio. And it failed miserably. And it's still failing miserably in yes. this town. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, and I just don't think that's that's the way you make it long. Now, can you do it? Yes. And can you make a name for yourself? You can. And you can capitalize on it. But you don't, you know, I, to me, that's not the way to do it. And, well, and again, it, but and it's, 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 not, it's not successful in Nashville yeah. uh, to this date, any of the shock jock stuff. But I do believe as uh, what do we have? 1800 people moving here a day. What is Something it? I, like that. Yeah, I don't know what it is. And, it feels like know, three million. Know, but then but they're coming from different yes. backgrounds of, uh, you know, the way they would consume their mm-hmm. sports media. And certainly the demands of it are different. But well, even Atlanta had yeah. more edge to it than, than Nashville did. And uh, I, I, I lived down there some and, and worked down there some and have family down there. So I would listen to them a lot and they would be more edgy like that. And I just, it just wasn't a lot of fun to listen to for me. Now, some people like that. But. That is, uh, yeah, I just didn't think it was not going to work in Nashville. I just think it's because we are who we are and, and people need to get used to that. And that's why sports talk will always be, I like the conversation. I like the fun of all that. Mm-hmm. I just don't like Let's make this New York or Philadelphia. It's not going to work. Or people that take them, themselves so seriously. 
There's a lot of that going that. Yes, you early days, but you guys had no idea, did you? I mean, you had just know how this rocket ship would take off. I don't think so. I mean, I always believed that it could be successful. I believed in what we were doing, and I think that's very important in whatever you do that you you have a vision for what you want to do. And and I kind of decided how I wanted to to be in broadcasting. What I, the type of people that I wanted to hire. I was program director at WTN, and one of the best things that I can say if I if I was to brag about myself, it would be that. The station that I helped build, and it wasn't just me, and I, I'm not saying that, but the, the programming that we brought in and the people that we hired and the people that I hired and that we put on the air, when Gaylord bought it, they were still almost every single one of the people that I hired was still there 10 years later. Nice. And they made a whole lot of money and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but you followed your heart and I want to yes. get part of this in. Greg Ruff with us. He is the assistant AD for external communications and sports media and broadcasting. I had to look down at my notes because I had to look it up too. You know, you had to, but that's Mark but, Elliott. Give him credit for the, obviously Mark Elliott, AD, good buddy. Um, but Trevecca is where your heart is. 24 years of it, and you've yeah. seen where that's gone in a lot of different ways. Why is Trevecca, which is in the shadows of downtown yep. on Murfreesboro Road. Murfreesboro uh, Pike, by the way. Oh, ooh, it's now a pike. Yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, it'll be a boulevard one of these days. Maybe. But where does it fit in the grand scheme? We now have NFL, NHL, college uh, MLS, all of those different things. Belmont, Lipscomb, and Trevecca were side by side, different directions. Now, Division II NCAA. Where does Trevecca fit? It's it's got its place. Every I think it does. We're the only Division II in within a couple of hours of here, and I think that we offer athletics for a different type of athlete, one that's not Division One. We got some people that have played Division One come back down. They want the family feel. They want to come down to a campus that they can walk around and, and know their professors. Uh, for the rest of their life. And that's one of the things that I think we are, and their coaches for the rest of their life. And I just think it's, it's very, we want to be competitive. We're not competitive in everything that we want to be right now, but we, uh, it rotates in. We've got a top 10 baseball program now that went to the college world series last year. And we've got other sports that are doing well too. Softball is obviously, uh, I mean, you know about softball. Yeah. They've won year after year after year. So we like to win, but we also like to do it the right way. And I think, and we want our kids to go to school and have a, a, a student athlete experience. That's very important to us. Well, I'll also tell you, being a sports information director, coming from the TV background, you were relentless in sending emails. To, That's to, one way of describing it. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I mean, but I, that, I would we, put it in the you obnoxious know that range. Is? You know whose fault that is. I don't know. It's his. Is it's it? all his fault. Yep. It is. Yeah. I, okay. So I came from the media side. I worked in right. radio, television, did some writing, stuff like that. And I got the job at, at Trevecca. And I was like, how do I, how do I get, how do I compete with Vandy? And, and, and then pro sports were starting to come into town. And I talked, and I talked to Greg Pogue and he said, have you thought about just sending an email out? to the media telling them what's going to come up this week. And it ended up turning into the Trojan E Chronicles that I sent out every day that we had an event. Nice. Yes, every day that we had an event, you know that. Right. And it would detail what we had done that day and what was coming up. And that got people informed. And it started off just going to the media. And then I presented it to a couple of our boosters and supporters and parents and stuff like that. I said, yeah, why don't you send that to me? So I started sending it. We now send that out a lot less, but we send it out to 20,000 people now. But also in that, you would send me emails like, uh, you oh know, yeah, you're I, pitching stories. But no, but it wouldn't be like, hey, baseball plays at two o'clock today. It'd be like, hey, uh, baseball plays at two o'clock today. The guy who's pitching, his brother doesn't have an arm. I mean, there'd yeah. be some uh, a different avenue of a story. Well, because I understood what it took yes. to get the media 
to come out there right. and what the and that they wouldn't just come out because we'd won 20 games in a row. They would come out because Tim Dunn, probably the one you're actually thinking about, was going on the Dr. Phil show and was not going to give his brother a kidney because he was a drug addict. Now that's a story. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's what, I mean, and I know we have an audience that are watching our, us take the podcast today, but you should give a talk on kids getting into sports information that don't just tell me, I can look and see Trebekah's playing whoever at three yeah. o'clock today. Give me the story, you know, yeah. give me something to go along with it. And I would come out there and I'm going to say more than just about anybody in my TV world, uh, the Fox people did too, but I would yeah. come out, but it was a good story that yeah. I would need for the summertime. Well, you guys figured out that I wasn't going to pitch you a story that wasn't worth something. And so I, I was very, I thought about that before I sent it to, before I sent it to, to get a guest on the talk show. And stuff. So you knew that if I was calling, it was probably a good thing. Right. Every time. And it was, Hey Joe, you mentioned something. I want you, Demetria Kaladimos, the lovely, a, a former, one of our early Guinea pigs on this, this right. thing, her class explained this because she, she brought some of her students yeah, from, to from Lipscomb University. The, right. uh, that's a graduate class, correct? Mm -hmm. To observe us taping a podcast. All, all and, unders, undergrads. Don't let undergrads. facts get away okay, of a good story. There. Okay. Uh, to see us how we do this, because this is the future. I yeah. mean, these podcasts are the future. And mm -hmm. uh, so they came down from Lipscomb to sit in and see how we do everything and taping. And before we got into the, yeah, uh, the, the podcast world, I had no idea. I'm like, I can't, a lot of things you're scared of to the next step. I was like, man, I don't know. We talked about this for years, Greg, doing a podcast. And, but we got a producer and Justin and we got the equipment and he showed how he can seamlessly put it together. Mm -hmm. It became a lot of fun. And I've heard from people so far, especially when we had Dimitri on, after the podcast, hey, you know, I've got to drive home. After half an hour drive home, I download your show, listen to it. It's fantastic. And he started thinking, all right, this is where it's going to go, what's happening. And then it just, it's fantastic. Well, this is the way, it's the way you have to think now. And again, I go back to Greg. I, Greg was someone that I went to and I threw things out. And and then I would ask, ask him questions too. But, but, but I would throw stuff at him. And, and basically, I can remember our conversations. And David Beauclair was another one that I talked to. And, we talked that you're going to have to become the media. Greg Pogue said, you're going to have to become the media. You know how to do all this stuff. So you're going to have to do, you're going to have to, you know, we were one of the first schools in the entire country to do live streaming. We did it when it was 360p or IP or whatever. I don't yeah. know. Sure, but, but it was, but I, we tested it with volleyball. We did our women's volleyball broadcast was the first live stream we did. It was one of the first in the country. NC state. When I looked around, NC state was the only one that was doing any live stream other than us. And we started doing it because we knew our radio stations were going to be sold in the next two to three years. And we had to figure out a way to broadcast. We had two girls on the volleyball team that were from California. And so we we're like, we're going to get the broadcast to them. They can't listen to the radio, but we're going to live stream the video. So we did that and it was awful. <laughs> but they got to see their daughters play every home match wow. of their career from California. And that was 14 years ago. Well, that's the basis of ESPN yeah. plus yeah. Yeah. that's now expanded to wherever yeah. it is. That was its conceptual beginning is to be, and it's back to the local local with over the air survive over the air will survive just the way local newspapers will survive. The larger ones, you can see the deterioration yep. of the subscription yep. base and everything about it. But local, local, if I go to Woodbury, Cannon County, that county, the, the newspaper there has 75% penetration in that county. Mm -hmm. The Tennessean in this county has got 15%. Yeah. So local, local, uh, either over the air or wherever it is, I think that's where it is. Because if I want to find out about, you know, 
Deshaun Watson signing with the Bills or the Browns or whoever. Yeah, yeah I can find that at 150 yeah. places immediately. Yeah. But I can't find out about, you know, what's going on at Independence High School. Where where do I go get that? And that's where the local, local components yeah. It has to be. And that's what we had to do with Trevecca. We had to become the place where people could get it because we couldn't count on it getting into Tennessee anymore because they were losing writers. The TV folks were losing staff and minutes on on their sports show. And those things remained important. And I wanted to pitch those and get those. But I knew I had to cover it myself or or, on our staff and stuff. And so that's when we started doing the live stream. We started working on the website and uh, we got into social as much as we can. And and so that's people now know they can come and get Trevecca sports there. Um, and then we, when we can get it out of other places, it's great. And then we, then what do we do when, when you guys would come do a story or you would be on the radio, we would plug it through our stuff, yeah. to pump people to you guys. Sure. And you know, that probably on some level made you guys want to come back every once in a while because you knew we were going to, we we're going to blow it up at least in our world. Uh, I, I know Greg's got a two hour radio show, sports talk radio show of nine to 11. If you came back. So you, if you call him at nine Oh five, he'll, he'll pick up the phone and, <laughs> right. and hang we'll up on you. <laughs> if you came back to the sports talk world and we're told by a consultant to speak only national stories, but being in Nashville, would you do it? No, I wouldn't. I, I would say something unkind. Why wouldn't you do it? Because because I want to I want to make a living. I want to be successful. I don't want. I mean, that you can't. Do, if I was in if I was on ESPN, yeah, but sure. But if I'm in Nashville, no, I'm going to talk about what's going on in Nashville. And if it and if a national story related to Nashville, yeah, sure, yeah. And if there's a an, and there's always a Nashville connection, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So you can find a way to do that. But in the large part, I'm going to talk about what's going on here and how it impacts the the Titans or Vanderbilt or UT or whoever. Because there's there's still you know regardless of what other people do on Sports Talk Radio, there's still people in Nashville that want to talk about Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. There's still people in Nashville that would care about Belmont almost beating UT last night in women's basketball, you know? And uh, so, yeah, that's what, that's what I would do. As Greg and I poke and I've discussed, if you don't take care of your backyard, man, you're, you're done. You're done. Absolutely. And I've seen it in TV stations across the country where they've laid off sports guys because they're lazy and they just get something off the national feed yep. and you see sports departments being cut in half and being done with because of that. That's absolutely true. And, and, and again, you don't, I mean, I still watch the local news as much as I can, but, it, but it's not as important to me as it once was. Two especially, funny especially, Greg, when, especially when this lady was yeah, there. Yeah, right. two, uh, two funny Greg Ruff stories. Okay? Okay. I, mean, right. I know we're, we're not, we don't have a time okay. limit, right. Um, did, Durham, I, did I prove these two? Uh, no. Okay. Right. Uh, Hugh Durham used to be, you know, <laughs> you know what, Hugh Durham used to be the head basketball coach at the University of Georgia when I was the Vanderbilt beat writer. And he, when he coached in high school in Kentucky, he coached against my dad. And so he knew me. And so every time I'd go to Athens, we'd go out to dinner and blah, blah, blah. And he'd call. We just became friends because I was, the, you know, the son of a basketball coach, essentially. But he talked like, yeah, well, you know how Hugh Durham used to talk like this and everything. So Greg Ruff would call my house <laughs> and, and act like Hugh Durham, and, yeah. and, 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 and then I would get the phone. Well, one night, uh, I'm, there's, you know, there's no cell phone back then and everything, so one night, Hugh Durham actually calls my house because I'm going to Athens the next night, and I'm not at home. And my wife, Robin, answers it and thinks it's Greg Gruff. She said, Greg, I'm tired of this, and hangs up on him. <laughs> and so I get home about 10 minutes later, and I go, hey, I'm expecting a phone call from you, Durham. She goes, oh, I think, yeah. <laughs> so, she, and, and the other one, when uh, I live out in the country, 
and Greg cyclist and everything. So he's got his cell phone then and said, Hey, I'm going to circle around by your house, come out and say hi and everything. So I'm sitting I was on, on a group ride with about in, 20 in other a people. Group ride, okay. So I'm, um, so I'm, it's okay. I walk out. So to get out there, it's got to go through a little bit of a woods and everything. And I'm out there and I'm looking down and I'm thinking, you know, he's already passed and he told me to come out here and didn't stop. So I start yelling and cussing at him and like a dog and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then he pulls up and I'm cussing these other people <laughs> and, you know, and, and they're turned around and says, is there a problem, sir? And I go, no, I was cussing Greg rough. So uh, that's, that's, what I caught thing. up to him later and they were like, who is that? Who is that guy? <laughs> Boy, that cul-de-sac yeah. down there. Yeah. Uh, thank you, brother. Uh, yeah. we, you know, we love you and thank the world of you. Uh, for Same. You're just a good man. And, uh, your history is fascinating because again, you were on that ground. A lot of us were not on that ground floor, but we claim to be <laughs> on that ground floor. A lot of people weren't doing it that. It was a so. great time to be in radio. I will tell you that. It was a wonderful time to be in radio. Can't top that. Greg Pogue. Yeah. Well, you know what I think about you, buddy. Um, you can't yeah. say that on here, right? Yeah, I do. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> one of my best friends. Absolutely. Uh, Greg Ruff with us. Uh, the Long title person from Dreveca, we'll call him that. <laughs> uh, Kitchen Notes, Omni Nashville Hotel. Thanks once again to Music City Todd Rotermail for having us down. Our producer, uh, producer Justin Kulik, Demetria Kalademos, and the Lipscomb class. Always welcome. Hey, we're here most days. Come get some biscuits and tea. So <laughs> <laughs> try to do that. Again, thanks everybody. Greg, thank you. Greg, thank you. Justin, thank you. You've been listening to the official 615 podcast brought to you by our good friends at Wilson County Hunt Day. 